Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 46. Today's guest is Will Flory. Will is a pro MMA fighter fighting out of SPG Ireland. He has a record of 7-3 and and is currently signed to Bellator. He has fought on some of the biggest cards to be held in Ireland in the 3 arena. He was also part of a show similar to the Ultimate Fighter that was shot in South Africa and we talk about that experience in the show. We also talk about how Will got into MMA, some of his wins and losses, his training schedule and more. As always, make sure to like, share and subscribe and hope you enjoy. Yeah, so what's up Will, how are you? Thanks a minute for coming on. Yeah, so we were just saying before you hit there that you had a, a flight in July. Do you think do you think you'll get back fairly soon? Like now that Bellator's kinda of came back with events, do you think you'll get on fairly soon? Yeah, hopefully. So obviously it all depends how the COVID situation is and whatever, but uh they're talking about October, kind of tentatively talking about October now. So hopefully that all happens and the level stays low and that we can get a bit of a crowd in at it even. But sure we'll see how it turns out like. Yeah, are Bellator planning at the moment to do events over here, or is it sticking with sticking with America? Yeah, no, they want to come, but it just depends on like. Obviously, things are a bit stricter over here than they are in America, so yeah. I think they're hoping that the levels stay low and that governments here are willing to open back up and we're allowed to have some degree of a crowd. I think they'd be a little tentative of doing it without any sort of crowd and just doing it in a studio over here. So. We'll see. With all like, it's all very up in the air at the moment. Nobody knows what's happening. So, yeah, we'll see. Doing it in the studio, doing it in the studio, would be weird, wouldn't it? Imagine. Yeah, like, like I did that reality show down in Africa, and I fought with no crowd. And obviously, I did that fight in June where there was kind of no crowd, basically as well. Um, once you're in there, it doesn't matter really that much. Like the crowd gives you a bit of energy the odd time, and you hear fucking oh, somebody's getting up, whatever. But yeah. really, like it's not like you're in a fight anyway you know so you have enough to be focused on regardless yeah um i think we're just watching it it's way more intense watching fucking fights when you can hear every slap like yeah you know that fucking tony ferguson and gaitier jesus i was like fuck this is intense as fuck like yeah it's kind of different like you're watching it and you're kind of delighted you can hear all the all the slaps but then you kind of you do miss the crowd to some degree to kind of because you feel it might bring something to the fight. It's kind of it's yeah. When I, somebody I don't gets know. Yeah. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, they should probably just have that on hold, like, and just have some guy press that anytime somebody gets stunned. Like, <laughs> they probably could do that as well. Yeah, yeah. Should be doing fucking crowd noise for goals in the Premiership. That's another thing, man. I actually forget there sometimes that the players can't hear, hear that because I tend to watch all. The, I've watched all the matches with the, the crowd noise on. So when there's a goal that goes in, they have obviously have the crowd celebration, and, and like so, you kind of forget that there isn't a crowd there and that they can't hear the fans, and it's only that you that can hear it. Yeah, I'd say it definitely affects things in football or like in any sport where it's just like the objective is the thing. You know, you touch the ball down, nobody does much. You just walk back over. Great. Yeah. <laughs> like. At least in fighting, it's like, I've hit him. I need to finish him now. The urgency is there. The emotion is there regardless. Don't like, it's great in a way and it creates a bit of an atmosphere. But the end goal is the end goal regardless. Where like, obviously in sport, the end goal is the end goal regardless anyway. But I suppose if you crack one in, it's a beautiful shot. And nobody's going mental. There probably is some degree of deflation about that. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like, especially like, um, 
I suppose like Jesse Lingard finally scored the other day for United and it's like it's an empty crowd like no fans to celebrate or not, not to do it in front of everybody yeah, yeah. like, so, <laughs> yeah yeah but um but you were over in Iceland there recently were you did I see that on yeah um, just went over with Kieran Davern he was doing the BJJ Globetrotters so he's the coach for that and um, he was teaching three classes like did three seminars kind of throughout the week it's a really cool idea the Globetrotters thing they basically they bring in top jiu-jitsu guys from all over the world and have them kind of all together for one week and teaching seminars and whoever wants to show up can go um, so it's class and then obviously seeing Iceland was class as well so fucking delighted that I got managed to get over eventually I was supposed to go like four years ago and then I was supposed to go a year ago and both times it fell through um, so I was fucking gutted and then thankfully finally got over there what what are things like with COVID and that over there was there many restrictions or what's the story there was a test as you came in in the airport so um, like you went through whatever customs or you know like you show your passport and then you go into this little area where they shove a fucking whatever it is a swab up your nose and they go deep with that shit too like yeah. um, and then I got a little saliva swab as well um, and then a day later like you have to quarantine until you get the results of that and a day later they sent me a text just being like yeah you're grand yeah uh, yeah it's, it's a good idea I think to be honest like we should be doing the same here it seems like yeah, testing at the airports would be, it would probably be a big benefit. Smart, like, and I know, look, they're PCR tests or whatever, so they don't show up. There are people who are positive that won't show up. Always, but at least it's something. At least anybody who's symptomatic and positive is getting shown up with those. So yeah. I don't see why we're not doing it. Yeah, but everything else then is all good to go. And is it like there's no, like our like businesses and everything is open? Yeah, and even they're not too vigilant about the whole mask thing. Like, we brought over a couple of masks and we were wearing them around, but there wasn't a whole lot of other people. And their levels in general are pretty low, but, like, they're not mad into the social distancing. There was a couple of little things, like pubs were closing at 11, uh, restaurants closed at 10, and, like, it's the middle of the summer over there, so it's bright all night. So you're uh, yeah. leaving and it's, like, you know, it feels like it's the middle of the day and the pubs are closing, like, um, and... Other than that, like, yeah, there wasn't a mad amount of restrictions anyway. You didn't, you kind of felt like it was normal life. And uh, even Kieran's been there a few times. So I was asking him, is it much different to normal? He was like, ah, it's a little bit quieter. But other than that, not really. Yeah. Did you do all the touristy stuff, the volcanoes and all that stuff? A few bits. We went out to, um, oh, what's it called? Tingsvillar Park. It's like their national park. Now I'd say there's loads of other glass shit to do over there. But Kieran had the car and we just drove out. And um, we went to like where we thought we'd be able to see the two plates, you know, the Eurasian plate, and yeah. the North American plate. And we couldn't find it. We were kind of like getting pissed off driving around and fucking no idea where this was. So I went up, there was like a tourist center and I went in and asked her one. She was like, ah, that's just marketing. That's a lot of bollocks. <laughs> um, <so> then, like, <laughs> then we ended up going back to this gym that night. And we were talking to Gunnar and he was like, no, no, there is a place you can see the two plates. <laughs> she was like, it's it's great. Like, you know, and then when he showed us a lot of photos of like, there's a plate, there's a plate, two people standing either side of it. Like, um, so we went to look for the two plates, but we didn't get there in the end. Uh, I'd say your one just couldn't be bothered giving you the directions. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what the fuck happened there. Um, did I piss her off or what? But yeah. <laughs> 
And do you think you go back? Go back for some training? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, it's very cool. It's just the vibe of the country in general. As in, you can tell you're in the middle of nowhere and there's not that many people around and it's just kind of nice and chilled. Like, I've been to Sweden last year and it kind of reminded me of Sweden, but just a bit more chilled out where people are like, they're still very Scandinavian. Things are well designed, well organized. Everything is like, makes sense. Yeah. But they're just more chilled. They have a little bit more of a sense of humor than the Swedish as well. So it's a cool place. I'd recommend it for anyone. Like, yeah. And actually, we went to that, uh, the Blue Lagoon. And I know it's a bit touristy, but fuck, that was class. You know, it's all geothermally heated water and it's cool. It's fucking really cool. Yeah. So then, like, taking it back, like, how did, how did you actually get started then in, in martial arts? Like, what, what's your background? So I played rugby um, for years, like, from the age of, say, nine or ten until about 21. Rugby was my thing. It was my main sport. Like, I played a bit of hurling and ga and a tiny bit of soccer as well, but rugby was my fucking going for it kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I was playing rugby. Like, it was... Uh, I'd had another little injury before that. I think I got, like, a weird knee injury. Um, I think it was kind of a meniscus thing uh, when I was about 20. And then when I was 21, I was playing sevens over in New York. And I passed the ball off and a guy, this American lad, like fell awkwardly with his knee onto my foot and it crushed all the arches in my foot. Um, so when I was over there, I like went in, you know, it's not free healthcare yeah. or whatever. So I went into a hospital and eventually this guy saw me and was like, look, you're going to need to get this worked on properly. So he recommended just going back to Ireland and, you know, he's like, it's probably surgery. So when I went back, the doctor who had a look at it was like, look, you're going to have to do a lot of rehab, but the surgeries don't always work. I crushed the Liz Frank arch in my foot. Um, now, it was pretty painful, but like I could still walk around and I could still do most things normally. But it was when I went to like balance on my toes or do that like that, just all the muscles wore out very quickly. Um, so the guy, the physio I ended up going to was actually the guy who started the boxing clinic, Stuart Dollery. And he was like, oh, boxing footwork's the thing you need to do for that. And he was right. Um, so I just started doing a lot of boxing footwork as part of my rehab. And then, um, yeah, kind of got hooked on that and like got hooked on the fact that it was all like progress. You know, you could feel yourself getting better every week. Yeah. Um, and from playing the rugby, I was kind of a big lad anyway, and I was pretty athletic. So he was mad to get me to fight. And then I did one or two boxing fights. And uh, from that, like then we had a cage in the gym as well. And we had a guy, Justin Robbins, who came over from the States. And um, once we had him over, there was kind of like a buzz around it. It was like we had a bit of a team going in the MMA clinic. Everyone got in behind it. Um, and I just fucking kind of got hooked on it then. And 10 years later, here we are. <laughs> So uh, was there ever a plan to maybe go to boxing go to boxing route? Not really. Like I, to be honest, at that stage it was kind of more just something I liked doing, um, and I can't remember if I ever thought I'd box professionally or anything like that. But I kind of the physicality of MMA always kind of appealed to me, if you know what I mean. And probably just because I was a big fucker then, and boxing seemed like it took too much coordination you know yeah. whereas like i could lump in towards people and like i was kind of just a brute back then and you know i could double leg people pretty easily and my wrestling was pretty good in comparison to a lot of lads who were around the scene at that stage so uh i like 
I kind of found it easy to beat the shit out of people more when I could pull them and push them and move them around a bit and then hit them like um so I think like as soon as I started doing MMA like I knew I wasn't good at boxing but I felt like I could be really good at MMA if you know what I mean yeah like I was okay at boxing I was getting better from a level of being shy but with MMA I was like oh I'm already able to like handle myself against people who are like considered quite good at this and so like then, did you did, were you training for long before you started to get taking fights? If we, uh, it was about see, I did a couple of no headshot competitions. So we ran a few competitions in the gym, and that was about six or seven months in. Uh, now once I got into it, I was really like training twice a day, trying to like get private. We had a guy, so Justin Robbins went home after about three or four months, and then Jake Hecht came over and um jake was very good for like building kind of a team spirit a team buzz and just getting us all super dedicated to it um so it was myself kieran daly darren gorman a load of lads who were quality fighters as well like great athletes too and um we were all in there training non-stop and then i think i wanted like i wanted to be the first fight because i was the first out of that group who started but then like i did a couple of no headshot comps I think all of us did those. I think we all won those. And then I got a bit of a meniscus injury and then I got a glandular fever after that. So it ended up to Kieran Darren and Kieran O'Brien and James Brennan had all fought before me. Uh, but basically anyway, yeah, it was about two-ish years until I fought like from the start of boxing till my first MMA amateur fight was probably two years. So I think it was March 2012 I fought and I think I started MMA training properly in like September 2010. Yeah. Do you, do you think that kind of good bit of time between when you started when you fight when you started fighting helped to kind of really develop or do you think or Yeah. Was, or and again it depends who you're training with it depends how you're training but like and how intensively you're training and how well you're learning what you're doing but I would recommend at least six months to a year. You see guys who are in the gym three months, they want to fight. And it's like, nah, learn this craft. Your brain's going to take a while to get used to what you're doing. Um, even if you have a background in something, MMA is a little bit different. Like I see a lot of guys and they're like high level purple belts and jits and they come in, they think like, I'm going to know what to do. Yeah, you do, but you're not used to getting hit. You're not used to like the little subtleties of different shit in these positions. So I'd all like, more time is obviously better, but again, you want to live your life, you want to get on with it. So I'd say at least six months. And that's six months if you're training intensively and you're good at it and you're learning shit on every time. Yeah. I suppose it's different it's a different story if with other sports, if you're not doing if you've only just taken them up and you want to get competitive, like it's it's not getting punched in the face. Like if you wanna if you just started golf yeah. and you and you went golfing and you got competitive at golf straight away, like that's a different ball game to getting and i'm always like in any like combat based sport you don't want to be getting fucked around too often like as in <laughs> when you compete you should be competing with every fucking chance of like well you should be competing thinking oh there's no way i'm gonna get my ass whooped by this guy i'm gonna smash this lap and if there's any doubt about that and there's any doubt about your ability to smash somebody don't fucking do it yeah you know <laughs> because nobody wants to be the guy getting smashed at the end of the day yeah especially in front of people i suppose as well <laughs> yeah and even like from your own point of view from your health point of view 
fuck that shit, man. You know, there's enough bad shit out there getting hit in the head. You don't need that, like. Yeah. So, like, then, do you think you were always going to be, was it, like, a sporting career, always something that you thought you would have? Uh, not really, no, man. Uh, so when I started MMA, I was in college for quantity surveying. I was out in CIT, actually. And um, I basically fucking thought that I was going to end up finishing up the degree and moving over to New York. And uh, that ended up being completely wrong. Uh, so I finished the degree and I like went over to London for a year. Now I'd been training. At that stage, I was entertaining the thought of being a professional fighter in my head because I was doing pretty well. I think I was like four or five and all as an amateur. Um, and I felt like I progressed massively in the few years because I'd been, I was in college technically, but basically I was a full-time fighter at that stage as well. Like, um, And then when I moved over to London, I started training over in London shoot and there was a lot of like pretty high level pros over there and it was a very good standard. And I was like, it was a bit of a shock to the system because we were in and like, it was pretty old school over there. It was a lot of heavy sparring, a lot of hard rounds, but like, I felt like I was holding my own in a lot of the rounds. And I was getting my ass whooped the odd time as well, but I was pretty happy with how I was doing in certain situations. And then I thought, look, if I get another two years of this, I could make something of this. Like, you know, I can fucking get places with the skills that I have here. Um, so then I spent, I've had another three amateur fights, I think, after that while I was living over in London. Um, I came back to Ireland for two of those and I fought once over there. And uh, then I made the decision to go pro and then I moved back because Sean Tobin owned, well, Sean Tobin and Kieran O'Brien owned the gym that I'd been training in, which was originally the MMA clinic and then it became Trials. And it's now Samson. Um, so fucking at that stage, like it kind of it was a slow process to get to that kind of, oh, I'm going to make a go of this as a pro. Yeah. Like, yeah, I suppose you had, you went undefeated as an amateur, I think, didn't you? So like, I suppose that kind of maybe yeah. that kind of the fact that it was, all, I suppose, playing sailing to some degree kind of maybe did that help to, to push. Yeah. It even like, not many of my amateur fights were close. Like, as in, I was never really in a bad place in any of those fights. And they were all considered the best guys around Ireland at that stage. Um, so I was pretty confident that, look, if I'm good enough to do this at amateur and not make any money, you know, we change the gloves and I'm allowed to elbow you. I'm still going to whoop your ass and I can make money out of it at least. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't really feel like, oh, this is going to make me a ton of money or like, you know, I'm going to be fucking rolling in it in two years' time. The whole Connor thing hadn't really taken off and it didn't seem like a like legit career option at that stage. But I definitely knew that I fucking love doing this. And even if I'm not making a ton of money, I'm going to be happy just getting better at what I do here. And I feel like that's massively fucking important. And for any young lad who wants to pursue a career in combat sports now, it's like, just make sure you fucking love it for what it is not for what you want out of it. Yeah. Because it'll always be what it is, whereas you won't always get what you want out of it. Yeah, I think, something I kind of said to a lot of people when I'm talking about this type of thing, that like, you see guys, because of the whole McGregor, Conor McGregor thing, and like obviously he has done quite well financially, that people think that, oh, I'm definitely going to be like him, sure, I'll get in, I'll be like him, and I'll have millions, hundreds of millions of millions. But like the fact, the reality is like, you probably won't. It's like, so maybe if you can get in, oh, enjoy look, the process and set yourself up for outside when you're finished fighting. Like if you have a career and a legit way of earning money, once it's, you're finished fighting, then 
that was I think you could consider that a successful career you've got to spend your, your prime athletic years doing something you love and you've set yourself up for some, for after from it it's like well that's I think that would be successful exactly and like look success is in the eye of the beholder at the end of the day and fuck it what is like success? it's your perception of your own success if you know what I mean but yeah. I always think look fucking definitely don't think you're going to make money at this <laughs> easily in any way shape or form like I'm pretty lucky I'm with Bellator now they pay quite well and like I fucking plan on going on whooping a lot of ass and making a good bit more money out of this whole thing but at the end of the day I was at that stage about two years ago where I was pretty much fucking broke I have no work experience for the last four years you know, it was very hairy and it was only the fact that Bellator started coming to Europe and doing these shows and I got that contract. That changed things massively. Up until that point, I was doing really well as a fighter. You know, I was undefeated. I was 7-0 and as an amateur, or sorry, 7-0 and as a, yeah, amateur and 4-0 and as a pro. But even at that stage, man, I had made fuck all money at this. And it was like, and people pull out me in fights. Like I think my, between my first and second fight, I think I had like six pullouts. And you're doing full camps, you're spending money training and people just don't show up and nothing happens and it's fucking shit. Um, <laughs> and there's no, like, nobody compensates you in any way, shape or form. You just take the hit. And that's one thing, at least with a team, you have a contract, you have something with this. You're fucked if anything goes wrong. Yeah. You know, say if I do in my knee tomorrow morning, yeah, I have that contract, but that doesn't mean anything. There is literally fuck all security in this. So like, unless you have other ways of making money in your life or else you're fucking amazingly good. And even at that, man, I've seen that like, this is what I say out of the seven, 800 people I've trained with, probably 10 guys have made a legit living out of this where they're like comfortable. You know what I mean? So what's that like? Fucking Such a small percentage, like, isn't it? Like, oh. Yeah. You know, and even at that, I've seen a lot more heartbreaking shit than I've seen positive stuff. And you do, you just, you see guys give it everything and they're very talented and it breaks them. Um, so I know it's not exactly fucking the most positive thing, but like that is the game you're getting involved in here. I wouldn't like to see my kids at this shit, to be honest. Yeah. And, huh? Not even if they said they loved it. Yeah, look, if they really did, and they had the right attitude and they knew what they were getting out of it. And even they had some other way of eventually making a few quid. Yeah, go for it. Because I'll, like, look, I had another way of making money. I worked in an office for nearly a year over in London. And I would rather fucking kill myself than stay doing that shit. I'm delighted I had this avenue in life to go and pursue this. And it was fucking amazing. And it is fucking amazing. But like, I also think it's it's a fucking tough game and it breaks a lot more people than it sets up so i wouldn't be encouraging them to go down this road and there's a lot of shady shit as well so like you know <laughs> just yeah. be careful with it yeah and do you think like coming from rugby like of all the sports that have came from do you think rugby was a good one to have had a background in given the fact like you know yeah, it, it is of. hard training I, I it think... is physical it is all these things that kind of can cross over yeah, and I found rugby way, way harder than MMA in the fact, like, your body is way more fucked up after playing a game than it is after a fight. 
yeah, fights are very intense while they're going, but it's 15 minutes at the end of the day. You're not getting up and hitting yourself into a fucking 120 kilo lad six, seven, eight, nine times and 80 minutes, you know. It's constant goal for 15, but then you're done. And even hopefully it's constant goal for two minutes and you finish the fight. So it's very intense while it's going, but it's way less cumulative wear and tear on your body. And even the training, we train more often, but less intensity. So like after I come home from rugby training, sometimes I'd like sit in a couch and wouldn't be able to get up for hours. That happens to be the very odd time with MMA, but it's the very odd time. It's not regular. Like I'm not always battered with this. Um, and it's much more technical training. In rugby, it's much more physical smashing into stuff. I don't think they do as much contact training as we used to do as well. Like we were doing contact training three times a week and then playing the game at the weekend. And it's tough on the like your brain's getting rattled a lot as well. There's you know, there's significant cumulative wear on your body at the end of the season. Whereas I find MMA, I manage my training load. I train pretty intensely, but at the same time, if I am fucked, I can take a day off. And in general, if I do a really hard session, I'm not coming in with my shoulders half all over the place and my neck in bits. I'm relatively okay at the end of that session. I've just had a hard workout. Maybe I have a few cuts and bruises. My knuckles are a bit sore. I might have a bit of a black eye, whatever, but all that stuff kind of heals up quite quickly. Whereas the big impacts on your body, they take a little bit longer to kind of heal up from like yeah so i found rugby very good like good in the way of like you understand collisions and you understand physics in a way because you know when there's a big bathroom running at you how hard that's going to hit you um and even like takedowns effective takedowns and even if you look at what gsp was doing there very similar to a rugby tackle and if you're quick like obviously timing and entry are big but if you're quick about what you're doing in that situation like basically it's fucking drive them into the ground um so like it definitely did have its benefits but i also think one of the main things was getting used to things being quite tough because out of all the lads i train with i'm probably one of the guys who complains about workload the least and i'm glad that i had rugby to show me what real shit workload is it just gives you a different perception on like what it is to be bollocks and what it is to be in a shit situation because like i might be on my third training session in a day, absolutely wrecked. And we're, you know, we're doing some hip throw and you're getting slammed on the ground and you're like, oh, fuck this. But I've also been on a fucking cold, wet pitch on a Tuesday evening, getting raked in the back. And you're kind of going, <laughs> wow, what the fuck am I doing yeah. here? You know? So I think the shittest of the shit with rugby is a lot worse than the shittest of the shit with this. Um, and in general, it's less wear and tear on the body. Yeah, but yeah, it definitely has applications as a sport. Toward like technique-wise, takedowns quite similar. Other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah, like that gets you used to the grind and that type of stuff. And yeah, I more that like, sort of like, it, like yeah, like that rugby then as well. Like you said, it's a you you don't really have much um much say or like it, you're going to get hit like it's, it's you don't like you can't yeah. not get it mma you could decide not to get hit if you're good but in rugby yeah, exactly. you're, you're getting like, hit that's kind of the reward <laughs> so like if you're technically good enough in mma you don't have to get fucked up yeah whereas in rugby it doesn't matter how good you are you're getting <laughs> fucked up one way or another you're putting your body into that guy like you're smashing into things no matter what so like there's a reward for being good in mma at least whereas like being good in rugby 
means you probably get in collision situations more often. More, yeah. But um, right then, like you, you didn't have it, but you didn't have an easy pro debut, or did you? Like, it was John Redmond your pro debut? Yeah, and he'd both. Um, yeah, no, definitely not. Fights, like, I think it was supposed to be Charlie Ward, or it was supposed to be a good few. It was supposed to be Tommy Hogan originally, and he would have been considered like a really tough debut at the time. He's kind of faded away off the scene. Then it was supposed to be Charlie, and then it ended up being John Redmond. So all the guys I was lined up to fight at that stage were all considered like pretty good dudes. Um, John was probably the easy, well, the perception-wise, the easiest out of them. But like, I always thought like I fought him twice, once in a boxing match as well, and I was lucky because the guy I got in the MMA fight was nothing like the guy I got in the boxing fight. Um, like I managed to take him down pretty early in the MMA fight and submit him, but. The guy in the ball, like we had a boxing fight down in Cork one night, and it was fucking mental. Like the two of us just knocked the shit out of each other for like three rounds. <laughs> and like a different guy showed up that night, like, and he caught me a few serious right hands. Um, and like I was lucky enough that I ended up like I dropped him, I think, twice in the first, and I finished him either the start. I think it might have been the end of the second round. I finally caught him fairly badly. But until then, it was like rock'em, sock'em robots and the two of us were going for it. And he's like, the guy's a legit fighter, man. You know, he's he's got a serious right hand on him. And if you don't respect him, he's going to cause you massive issues. And I think I went in the second time because I beat him quite easily the first time. I was like, ah, I'll win this. And it was a terrible attitude to have because he's a tough, tough fucker. Yeah. Like, he seems to have taught everybody who in, like, around Irish. Yeah, yeah like, he really has. Actually, yeah. That came up today, like I was at training this morning and uh, one of the young lads, Owen Cheryl, was like asking me about Johnny because he's just, um, he's a fight coming up now soon. And I was like, yeah, he's a little bit susceptible to this and this. And he was like, how do you know? And I was like, oh, well, I fought him years ago. He was like, you fought him too. He's like, fucking everyone's <laughs> fought him. Like, Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like anytime I've looked yeah, at Yeah, yeah. That guy on the scene. Yeah. Because I was looking at his, um, I just happened to look at his record the other day. And you just see the list of names he's fought. You're just like, Jesus. But like, because he because of the level, he tends to fight them early in their career. Like, you know, it's kind of, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. He fought him. Even like, before Jesus, I fought him, he made his debut against Reese McKee, who's just fought last yeah, week. There you go. Yeah. There. yeah, there you go. Like, that's another one. Like, yeah, he just fought everybody. Yeah, he's a mad one. Yeah, but like, so like an 11 fight kind of win streak, I suppose, between pro and, between amateur and pro, like that was, it was all fairly, it was good, good going like to, to start off. Yeah, and then I got a bit complacent. So like even within that 11 fights, I had two fights on that reality show down in South Africa. And one of those I won pretty easily. And the second I was whooping the guy's ass and then got elbowed in the back of the head 14, 15 times. Uh, so they called that a no contest, which yeah. is bollocks. Um, it's the most blatant disqualification I've ever fucking seen. Uh, it was just more for the show. They had to do it that way. Um, but yeah, then I've been like, I got the Bellator contract and it was all good. And I was like, fuck it. I'm making a real good go of this. Like this is unreal. And to be honest, I probably got a little, like other things in my life probably weren't more stable at that stage. And I probably took my off. I, I was training my balls off. I like physically, there was no lack of effort. But mentally, I was probably focused on other things in my life. A lot of stuff had happened around that time. Uh, a couple of people had died in my life. And I was just a bit like, I'm going to win this fight. 
And then it's all about how you're setting yourself up after that. And look, don't ever take your eye off the ball. This is fighting. It's very fucking competitive and the margins are very fine. Um, and I kind of underrated your man. I went in, took him down, thought like, ah, this is going to be an easy night, separated. And as soon as we separated, he caught me a couple of, like, it was like a double left hook, was it? And just fucking dropped me straight around. He was hammer fisting me straight away and it was over within seconds. Uh, so like that couple of moments completely changed my career and completely changed my life, basically. And just from a lack of focus and a lack of, you know, fear of the guy. And I think you do need fear. Fear is a very important part of this game. Yeah. They, but they, they have you, did you find that it was only kind of looking back that maybe you took your eye off the ball? Like it wasn't something that you maybe even, did you know, did you feel like training or did you feel like anything was different at the time or was it only looking back? No, after, after not really. Um, like I knew, obviously, like coming up to the fight, I knew uh, this has been a much more like emotional time in my life than usual. Um, but like, I still always like, I've got, you know, other things that happen coming up to fights, whatever. And you'd always just get through it. It'd be grand. Uh, with that though, I was like, ah, you've dealt with this. You'll deal with it again. Um, in hindsight, then obviously I was a bit more like, even my thought process, say the week of, I was looking at who I was going to fight next. I was looking at who else was in that division. I've never thought like that before. And, you know, it's not a healthy thought pattern. It's literally, you have this guy in front of you on a Saturday night. Why the fuck aren't, like, if it's a Wednesday afternoon, why aren't you thinking about that guy? And even the fear is what keeps you sharp there. And honestly, I just, like, myself, and I was living with Tyrone Quinn at the time, myself and Tyrone watched a couple of videos of him, like, the week out from the fight, the Saturday before I flew over. And uh, two of us were looking at him and we were like, yeah, you'll murder. Like he was like, ah, you'll kill this lad. And I was like, yeah, probably will. And that was shit. It didn't do, you know, looking at it like that, you're always going to come up short because you're not, like this lad has some reason he's here. Dude, like he was 5-0 and with five knockouts at the time. And I was looking at his hands and I was like, ah, he throws short hooks and he does this. But I wasn't respecting his skill set at all. It was kind of a, ah, he does that quite well. But he's managed to knock out five dudes with that. You're not fucking necessarily, what are you doing to negate what he does well? What are you doing to stop that from happening? And again, like, look, it's a fight. And I think you naturally respond to things much quicker when you have that little bit of fear and that bit of genuine respect. Like I spar John Phillips a good bit these days. John has such power that you don't go in there without feeling that adrenaline buzz, without feeling like, shit, if I get caught, I'm going to be fucked. You know, I'm probably on the floor as soon as I get hit. So you do a very good job of not getting hit against that guy because I've been hit by him and I know what he's like. But with a guy like that, I kind of underestimated his power. I underestimated his ability to hurt me. And looking back, yeah, it's easier to see it, obviously. But yeah, in the lead up, I didn't feel like anything was that different. Yeah. I suppose it's a fine line, I suppose, between like what you said, between being complacent and having total disregard for what the other person does, but then completely overthinking it and getting too caught up in what they do. You, can, you need that maybe kind of, yeah. it's a fine line, isn't it? But even like, confidence, like confidence is a funny one because obviously you want to be confident, but then where does it become like complacency? Where does confidence lead you to a point of like, 
you're overlooking it. So like, I do believe in my abilities. I have faith in the fact that I can kick the fuck out of anyone. But, okay, what are you going to do when you get into that situation? How are you going to control this? How you, like, I think fundamentally breaking down the technical aspects of the fight is a very good thing to do in your brain rather than looking at the emotion of it and looking at, like, I'm better than this guy. Why are you fucking better than this guy? What do you do that makes you definitely the winner of this fight? You know, yeah. why do you feel like that? So, like, back your emotion up with technique. Whereas at that point in my life, I was feeling confident because I thought, I know a lot more shit than this guy knows. I'm seeing positions here. He's not exploiting. I'd exploit them. But at the same time, I wasn't breaking down what his weapons were. I was just going, nah, you know loads. You're good. You'll smash him, which was shit. Whereas now if I look at a guy and I go, okay, I'll beat that guy. Why? Because when I get him here, I'm not going to go here or here. I'm going to get his hip here. I'm going to put him there. Like, I'm going to be able to tie that leg up. You know, if he starts to do this, I know what I'm going to do. It's going to be this, this, and this. And then you've genuine, well, you have a reason to have genuine confidence. But again, in a fight, there are always unforeseen situations. So it's good just to have that fucking fear anyway, because adrenaline will help you respond to anything. Yeah. I suppose that, yeah, you need to have, that, like I said, that, that little bit of fear. It's like it's the crime being confident, I suppose, but you're looking at it as if you're 100% at your best, then I'll smash this guy. But you have to have that fear of that. Well, if I not if I'm not at the races there, that there's a chance that this guy could still beat me. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, you, you need to have that, that, like, that 100% confidence. Yeah, that you have to have that 100% confidence that if you're at your best, then it's going to be easy. But then, like you said, yeah, that little bit of fear though can change. Like but even you know. that word "easy," that word "easy" is a bit of a fucking false friend. If you get me, it's like nothing's going to be easy about this. Expect yeah. it to be shit. Expect it to be hard, and expect it to be fucking think worst possible scenario and how are you going to deal with that? You know, he's got your back. It's only 30 seconds into the fight and it's kind of small and has a great squeeze on him. How are you going to deal with that situation? And if you're prepared mentally for that, you can remain calm and you can fight your way out of that. If you kind of think, oh, I'm going to kick the fuck out of this guy. And then all of a sudden you like, there's a little bit of a wet patch in the canvas or something. You end up, you fuck up your footwork. He takes you down. You turn your back too quickly. Something happens and it's all gone wrong. Okay, you're in that situation now. How the fuck are you dealing with it? And if you have no expectation of being there and you think this was going to be easy, now this shit's happening, you're fucked. You know? Or even like the thought that it's going to be easy and you leave your head out because you're fucking complacent and you go, ah, he can't hurt me. Bang. All of a sudden you're on the fucking floor. That's me in Rome. That's pretty much exactly what happened to me. I was like, what's he going to fucking do? And honestly, I was saying those words to myself in the dress room. I was like, the fuck is he going to do? And I was to gear myself up because fundamentally you probably are a bit scared and you're trying to like get a bit of confidence in yourself. But that was my attitude. How can he hurt me? And look what happened. So like, you know, have fear. Fear is a good thing. Yeah. Well, I suppose like that most people nearly run from the fear because if you have the fear, it's kind of, it's some, maybe it's some sort of weakness. But I think it, I think I, know, like, I, I think I think in any sport like especially combat sports I think everybody's everybody's breaking it everybody's shitting themselves to some degree and if they say it or not they're probably and you should yeah. there's no reason you shouldn't shit yourself <laughs> yeah. you don't know fucking everything that's about to happen what the future is uncertain like you can be as good as you want to be go in there and be as good as you fucking can be but at the end of the day 
you're not in total control of what's going to happen here. Um, so it's right, like, allow fear to make you progress and allow fear to make your brain sharper and more like astute as to what can happen here. Because I think if you don't respect somebody's skill set, they're ultimately going like, if they're fucking amped up and just as afraid and even more afraid than you are, they're going to be able to do shit that you're not prepared for. So like, definitely I think fear is extremely important. Yeah. So like when Bellator called, was that was a call from Bellator something you were expecting at the time, or was it kind of back when I was four and zero and seven and zero and all that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So before I fought over in uh, Jordan for Brave, yeah. and before that fight, I knew I either had another offer in or else that I was going to get that Bellator contract. Um, so it was sort of now it all worked out a bit funny where like. I went through some English guy first and then John ended up kind of getting him with Bellator and I just got signed directly to Bellator. Um, but yeah, like it was kind of, I knew there was talk of it before I fought Jordan, basically. Yeah. And there's a, like with your first fight down, that, yeah, that your, was your first fight, your first fight wasn't that fight in Rome, was it? Did you fight in? It was, yeah. My first fight with Bellator was, yeah. Yeah, but then obviously you came back into the tree arena and that was a, a different experience yeah total like polar opposites um because <laughs> even the week over in rome i had never been and i'd never even really been to italy properly um and i was really excited about going there as well which would normally never be in my thought process but i was just like i'm a big fan of roman history and you know i've listened to a lot of podcasts about all that sort of stuff and i was real excited to see some of those places but we ended up being fucking middle of nowhere outside the city i think it was like six kilometers to near a shop and you had to wait for a shuttle bus every two hours so it was just like preparation wise it was kind of not very ideal um even just getting water that's sort of like basic basic shit was kind of hard to come by um whereas then obviously the next fight was in ireland in the tree arena you know i lived in Bibsworth at the time i'm living out volunteer now but like I could walk from my gaff down to the tree arena. The hotel was in the middle of town. So the whole week, the full fight week, I was able to go back up home if I needed to collect anything. You know, if I forgot salt for the bath or anything like that, it was just easy. Everything was like much nicer. Buzz fighting at home was great. And then obviously having the crowd there and having like a big reception off that crowd. And that was special, man. I fucking like of the like, the moments that you want the bottle from fighting that would the first time walking out in front of that crowd in the tree arena was pretty fucking special like and just yeah you it makes you kind of go okay it's worth it you know there's a reason i do all this shit like there's a reason yeah. i go through all this um and obviously then look the performance i was really geared up for that fight i was really i knew that if i put enough pressure on him for long enough he'd break eventually um now and like sean taylor was a solid opponent as well i think people kind of underestimated him because like he was eight and one obviously which is a good record but even at that he beat a lot of guys that were quite similar to my style um and he beat them just by dogging them and he like kept shooting for my legs and i kind of thought of any like i thought of my time and knee in that fight and i saw myself catching that knee and finishing them but like 
uh, I was either going to break, like catch him with one of those big ones because he had a big, big jaw and he came in five pounds overweight. So like knocking him out was going to be tough, but I hit him a lot of good shots. And then eventually the fucker just kind of succumbed to it all and succumbed to the pace. Um, and I managed to catch him with a joke, but I was very happy with the way that fight went. Um, and even like his corner came over to me afterwards and they were like, geez, we're shocked. Like we were like, we saw him absolutely murdering you. Um, just because he's very good against your side, like your guy, like your build, your shape. That's why he wins. Like, um, so I was pretty happy with that. Did you feel the crowd added to a bit of a bit to your performance? Like, do you yeah. feel like they took yeah. to help yeah. pu- push you on that little bit, that a little bit extra as well? Even just to make it special, like the emotion beforehand, like the it's different. Like, it makes it much more. You're representing something. You're fucking you have an identity within this and everybody's here to see you whoop ass. You owe them an ass whooping. So it's not just about you and you're fucking, obviously I want to win all my fights for my career anyway, but like you have an outside purpose now as well. You have a fucking bigger purpose than yourself nearly, which is cool. I like that. I like having that. It's a fucking, you represent something primal, your identity, your Island, your whole thing. And that's cool. Like it fucking, it gets me going anyway. Yeah. And it would 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 have been one of the few times that friends and family maybe would have seen you fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a couple of uncles who came along to that fight. Um, two of my brothers were there, and even a lot of my like, because it was my first properly big fight. Like I fought down in South Africa, um, Jordan, obviously Rome, fucking. I'd been all over, and even I'd like England for the amateur fights a few times, but I never really had a big fight in Ireland. So like most of my kind of mates in Dublin and Cork, they hadn't really seen me properly fight on a big stage and it was class to have that then. And even the fact that we get to do this now on a pretty regular basis and it's going to be twice a year, it's unreal. Like I fucking can't express how grateful that. And I like, it keeps you extremely motivated to continue to be fucking very high level of what you do because the opportunity will be there at the end of the day. We have a crowd that can sell, like we can sell tickets to that gives you a lot of power in the fight game um, and I'm extremely grateful for the fans who fucking allow that to be possible yeah I think as well it's kind of a thing about maybe the, the Irish fans is that like if there's a couple of Irish guys fighting it doesn't matter like uh, what promotion what it is like they'll, they'll just they'll turn up and support like yeah it's one of like honestly like I know people say this sort of shit a lot but like they're fucking incredible fans and it's a great part of our culture that we just get behind shit you know what I mean? Like, I don't know the O'Donovan brothers at all. I have nothing to fucking do with rowing. But I think it's fucking glass that two Irish lads are out there competing on a world stage rowing. And even if they were shite, they're still great crack and I'd love them and I'd yeah. fucking support them all the way. And it is that thing of like, we kind of get behind each other a good bit. Like, and we have that support of like, go on, get after it kind of culture. Like, yeah. and yeah, it's fucking, it's cool. And we're lucky to have it. Like, Actually, just taking it back there, you mentioned because yeah, you mentioned that kind of tournament, that kind of TV show a couple of times. Like, what was the kind of setup with that TV show? Was that kind of like the Ultimate Fighter kind of a thing, or like do we? Uh... Yeah, basically, it was the EFC, which is the Extreme Fighting Championship down in South Africa. Uh, they used to be on Bravo back in like two thousand five, six, and uh, that's how I knew what they were. But basically, it got put in. We have like a group chat for the MMA team. And it got put into that. He was like, would any of the undefeated guys be willing to travel down to South Africa? So it was a show for undefeated middleweights. Um, 
And I think at that stage I was probably the only undefeated middleweight in the gym. I'm not sure. But uh, basically, yeah, they, uh, they were saying that they wanted to like, do something to rival the ultimate fighter. Um, and I was a bit skeptical because I was thinking these boys have nowhere near the money to do anything like that. And then it was a bit sketchy for about a month, a month and a half. And I would like, they'd sent me over like a couple of other things, you know, like prospectus plans and all this. And I was training anyway. Like I was, I had fought Johnny Redmond during the summer in a boxing fight. I was supposed to have an MMA fight and the guy pulled out. And then um, I had a couple of like Jits super fights that summer as well. And I think I was like kind of provisionally booked for a card and cage legacy up and draw or something like that. Uh, so I was like already look fucking I'm doing what I'm doing anyway and if these guys can't great and then uh, eventually like about a week before like so I flew out like I think the 10th of September and I think it was like the 2nd or 3rd of September they were like yeah look uh, we want you to come over and we've booked your flights so they had my flights booked before I'd even agreed to it and I was, I was still like this is very dodgy this doesn't seem like fucking 100% legit at all and then it was only when I got to the airport and I handed my passport, like the ticket started printing that I was like, okay, they've definitely booked these flights. This is definitely real. And then when I arrived in the airport, they had this guy in a Merc convertible fucking collecting me. And I was like, okay, they're doing this pretty real. Um, and then we arrived at the house and the house was fucking unbelievable. So the whole thing, it was an unbelievable experience to be honest. Um, they basically, they got in 10 middleweights from all over the world who were undefeated. Um, they split us into teams and all that. They had two coaches, um, Demar Pena and Ishad Saeed, who were both South African guys. And uh, they, you know, had us all fight it out. Um, I was first picked from, from either team as well. So, because like we did like a trial session and I absolutely smashed everyone at the trial <laughs> session. Uh, the lad who eventually won it as well, which really like, uh, like I don't think about that shit that much because it just pissed me off so much. But, Basically, like, the lad who ended up elbowing me in the back of the head a lot of times, um, I was, like, rolling with him the first day, like, at that trial session. Absolutely fucking smashed him rolling. Like, wasn't even close. Uh, he was good, he was strong, and he was athletic, but he wasn't, like, technical at all. Um, so I was like, look, he's probably pretty sharp on his feet. We didn't get to go together on the feet, so I was still a bit, like, respect what he could be. And to me, he was the other most dangerous dude. And we ended up fighting in the semifinals and the whole thing. And that, like, I took him down pretty easy because I was like, he threw a kick. I shoved him to the cage, got, up, got his legs out from under him, mounted him, had him in mount, landed a couple of elbows in mount. And then he managed to reverse. And I, like, pushed back up, to the, like, stood back up, pushed away, put him back in the same position where I'd taken him down earlier. And he just started going to town on the back of my head. And it wasn't even, like, nearly not the back of the head. It was, like, center of the fucking middle of the like nowhere near the ears nowhere near the side of the head straight down fucking 12 six elbows to the back of the head so like doubly legal even though the 12 six elbows are bullshit but um so then even after that like i'm still conscious i'm still fucking awake after these 14 elbows stumbling around the cage being like let's go again i'll fucking smash him because i could see how fucked he was anyway regardless the, two, the boy who ended up winning the show was a guy who had like tapped four times in one round in the uh, trial session. And fair play to him. He's gone on. He's done okay out of it since. He fought the champ in the end, Drakus. 
but like it pissed me off so much that I was clearly that and like I mean like that's probably one of the reasons I got so confident and got to the point of being a bit complacent afterwards because they were all on the feet of middleweights and I'm sure there are better on the feet of middleweights out there in the world but those guys I was by far the best out of um so I got a lot of confidence from that obviously and it just I was really pissed off when it all worked out yeah I'd imagine like flying all that way as well and like then there was there was yeah, there... I, mean, like, I spent eight weeks living down there said it was class and living in that house even after all of that had happened it was still cool like you get you put your food down whatever you want on a list and it shows up the next day so it was a good life that way like as in you know you don't have too many responsibilities you train you come home eat whatever the fuck they bought like which is whatever you told them to buy um it was sweet it was great and like the place is beautiful like south africa is a fucking amazing country uh the culture over there is very different very weird but also interesting as fuck i'm really glad i got to do that and it's one of those other things fighting's given me that i'm like yeah that was class but at the same time like very pissed off with how it all ended up yeah and even like i came back and i did a fight for them um that december so that was all like september like it, i think the show ended like the end of october and then i flew back home for like a month and a half and uh then i went out like they rebooked me for a fight so like i was mad just to fight the guy who won the show um but they wouldn't allow that to happen they were like oh look take a fight in the meantime and then we'll sort that fight out so i went back down there that december and fought like a guy from pretoria in pretoria and uh i smashed him it was like second round tko and uh afterwards they didn't even pay me my fucking win bonus or any like i was supposed to get like a certain amount that if there was a certain amount of viewers i got like a little bonus and we met that target and then i had a win bonus in my contract as well so i got my show up money and nothing else and they're still telling me they're going to pay me and it's like fucking what 33 years after now so yeah yeah. that's fighting man yeah you're just writing that's why i wouldn't have my kids going to this shit like (laughs) yeah but uh did you have things was the cameras following around the place all the time then sort of so they had like two film crews um and they were just lads who lived in the house with us the film crews so you had like i got to know most of the cameramen better because you're not competing against the cameraman so like there was like a little bit of psychological warfare going on between all the lads actually competing and you're all trying to be the ultimate alpha i suppose whereas with the cameraman there's not that shit and they were all pretty cool guys so uh the cameraman would be there all the time but they wouldn't be filming all the time and then if something started to happen like if a little bit of drama was occurring they'd whip out the cameras and they kind of have like handheld things and then they'd have like the high-end proper cameras um and the odd time like this thing reality tv is bollocks man so like the odd time something really real would have happened and they'd have missed it they would like found out later and then they'd be like oh lads just reenact that will you uh-huh. it's like no fuck off like, <laughs> oh, no way. like but like a lot of the lads would like i wouldn't do any of that sort of shit so i kind of ended up being cut out of a lot of stuff um but uh, like a lot of lads did and it just came across terribly and it just seemed like really bad acting um so i think they did themselves a bit of a disservice that way because there was enough real drama on that show to have made it really really interesting a lot of shit happened while we were down there that was like 
pretty fucking bizarre and like you know would have made a good show but they tried to like tailor it to a certain narrative and a certain script and a certain whatever the fuck and it's like just let what happens happen film that and it'll be interesting enough yeah I suppose that's kind of been the downfall of the, of the Ultimate Fighter itself is trying to create storylines and just make it something that's maybe not like maybe not, it was something at the start when it first started and they're trying to make it into yeah. something that's maybe not now it's like if you just look I it. get that you need characters on a show like that and you need people that fans are going to buy into in a way but I honestly think if you create the right situation like the fact that we were 10 guys from all over the world in a house together about to fight each other created a shitload of natural drama yeah so like even the one thing I find kind of weird about the Ultimate Fighter is they put all people from the same place together. So like it's all Americans in a house together and they're all like, yeah, my girl's blah, blah, blah. And it's boring as fuck. And most of the world can't relate to it. Whereas like one interesting thing about this was like there was myself from Ireland, there was an English guy, there was a French lad, two Algerians, um, fucking a German an Aussie guy, like um, the Australian guy was the lad who elbowed me in the back of the head. There was a guy from Cameroon, two South Africans, um, an American, and a Brazilian down there, right? So it was like the fucking United Nations. And there was yeah. a lot of cultural shit that was just very different. And the way people live, like the way people approached training, the way people fucking did everything was just super different. And it was interesting as fuck from it, like, you know, even just my experience with it was like wow this is fucking bizarre this lad eats like this this lad eats like this you know it's cool to see that um and i think that makes a good show in itself like even just putting 10 people from completely different cultures into a house together and then the fact that they're all about to fight each other just makes it way more interesting so like to me the whole experience was class and was really interesting but they fucked up filming it in my eyes like yeah yeah, sounds like an unbelievable experience, all right, to, to go out to South Africa. Yeah, it was cool, it was. Yeah. yeah. But, then, so, but like your last fight wasn't with Bellator then, was it? No, so because I was supposed to fight with them in July, and that fight eventually, so I was supposed to fight over in America, in Tackerville in Oklahoma, on, I think it was actually pretty recently, July 14th or something, I think the contract was for. So I got that contract just as COVID was hitting, so it was like the week that, we started the whole lockdown buzz, but America was still going and everything was grand over there. So got that contract. It was like, brilliant. Have a fight. Started trending away for that. And a couple of times throughout that camp, I got in contact and was like, look, is this definitely still happening? You know, fucking let me know if it's not kind of buzz. And they were like, yeah, no, we're still pretty confident it's going to go ahead. And that restrictions will be easing by that stage. And then about the start of June, they contacted me. So I'd been training for about eight weeks proper, like getting prepared for the fight at this stage. And the start of June, they contacted me saying like, look, um, that fight's not going to happen. So then I had a friend inside in town, Mateus, and he was fighting for a promotion that was, it was supposed to be in Berlin originally, the fights. Um, and it ended up being out in, the middle of nowhere in West Germany somewhere, uh, Katzrop Bruxelles, which is like 10 miles outside Dortmund. Um, but basically, it ended up that uh, they had a slot 
of a guy like the guy was 104 kilos and i was about 90 at this stage because i've been doing a lot of running i'd actually lost like i was lighter fighting at light heavyweight than i was fighting at middleweight um, so <laughs> which was just it's a bit naive it was a bit silly like to go into that fight being like ah i'll be a lot further than this guy and that's what i mean like one thing any of my losses have taught me is complacency every time i've like gone into a fight not 100 fully locked into it being like are you 100 prepared 100 willing to fucking put yourself on the line for all this shit 100 like there are no mental qualms here you know what you're going in to do you know what he's going to present and you know how you're going to deal with it when that hasn't been the case shit's gone wrong right and like i fought a lot of high level opposition but at the same time I feel like any of the guys who I lost to, I could easily smash on a different day. It was more my approach mentally to the fight. Um, and yeah, basically the guy was 104 kilos. He fought at middleweight before. So I was like, ah, he's after getting fat. I'll give him a bit of a weight allowance. Um, so it eventually ended up in a 90 kilo catch weight. And I weighed about 92 kilos at the time. Um, I normally weigh about 95. Like I weigh about 95 for and I normally fight at 84. So it was a bit like naive to give away that much weight. Um, yeah, anyway, fucking, he ended up being a lot better than I thought he was. And uh, I wasn't physically prepared for that fight, to be honest. I was doing a bit of training. I was, you know, in my eyes, I was training quite hard. But like training hard in your gaff and going out for a run the odd time is very different to like the sort of intensity that I'd normally give to a fight training camp. Um, and it showed basically. Yeah. So like, what would it, if you were in a training camp, what kind of, what would your training schedule look like in terms of like sessions, like strength and condition sessions to running sessions to your, I suppose, MMA sessions. So it changes as the camp goes on, but like stay right now, I'm programming it. Like they're going to be here mid October. So I'm about 11 weeks out roughly um it's three hours a week of aerobic type stuff where it's just long slow continuous you're doing your training i've three strength or sorry three kind of yeah strength based sessions where it's just like compound lifts moving heavy things explosively um and just trying to get that little bit of pop in your muscular system even like gyms are only back open up here like fly fit i think they only opened up about two weeks ago and the first week I went back in to do all that sort of thing, I was baked from afterwards because it was just very different to what I'd normally, you know, I could normally do that and be grand the next day. Uh, when I started doing it again after the break, it was like, oh shit, this is how people who don't go to the gym all the time feel like where <laughs> I was fucking struggling to walk up the stairs. I'd like park up the car and I'd be like, oh fuck, I have to get out now and like do a squat to get up here. Like, um, and I hadn't felt like that in a long fucking time because I don't really let myself get unfit generally. But yeah, just like do that sort of thing. So three hours a week aerobic, three strength training sessions, and then I have my skills type base work. Right now, what I'm hoping to do this camp is a little bit less sparring than usual because my last two, three camps, I've sparred quite a bit. Um, more drilling. And I think drilling, like more just spending two hours breaking down a position going over it a couple of hundred times, going over the little things of like, oh, what if he moves this way? You know, what if he gets his hands here? What are you going to do? Like, you know, basically taking time, slowing it all down and allowing myself to like 
understand what I'm going to re- do to react and to kill his opportunities in any situation. So I'm hoping to do that sort of thing, like kind of four to five times a week. I've been managing about three times a week so far. Tonight now I'm going meeting a guy and we're going to just spend three hours in the gym going over stuff nice and easy. Like when you say three hours training, it seems really intense. That's probably the least intense shit I do. Yeah. And But it, when you learn, it stays in your brain. When you learn like that, you spend a bit of time learning something, it's much more likely to be there. And if you continue, like a lot of it becomes muscle memory. If you continuously practice that movement, you're going to use that movement when it becomes a live situation. Um, and then obviously, aside from those like strength and training or strength and conditioning and the drilling training, you're doing some live rounds. So like on a Monday, we do five by five, which is like MMA grappling basically. So you start attached to your opponent and you just go for it from there and you're allowed to hit each other and you're allowed like, it's takedowns from the clinch, takedowns off the cage and then ground and pound while you're on the floor. Uh, but it's not so much like at distance striking. On a Wednesday then we do like distance striking and then on a Thursday we do positional. Uh, which is basically you start in a certain position and you know, you'll get around on where you're the guy in that position and there'll be people attacking you. So let's say it's turtle from the back, you're turtle up from the back and then a new guy comes in, you can either escape that position or else maybe you end up in a worse position and you end up getting fucked up from that. Then you start like, so the whole sequence probably takes about 20, 30 seconds. You go back to that position, the next guy circles in. So everybody attacking you is fresh and you're bollocks by the end of it. So you have to have like a pretty sound technical defense from that position. Um, and yeah, like generally, I won't, like we have technically five of those sessions a week, but generally I do three of those five. And I, even at that, I feel like that's probably too much a lot of the time these days um, where like I want to bring down the amount of live MMA training I'm doing because I feel like I've done a lot for a lot long time now and you have your set patterns, but when it's competitive and it's live, you tend to not try new things. And if I'm drilling a lot more often, I feel like when it becomes competitive and comes live, I'll be more willing to try the new thing. So the idea behind this camp is now drill more, do live work less. And if you need to do a little bit more strength conditioning. I suppose, like you said, when you go with the live rounds, it's uh, you don't really want to try. I suppose because if it goes wrong, it can be you kind of don't want you're, you're less likely to take the risk, well, it, really. I think, as well, a lot of it like a lot of this stuff is brain chemistry. And if you've done something more like if you get shown a really good technique and you don't fully understand it and you try it once in a live situation and it doesn't work for you, you'll naturally go, That's a load of shit. And the next time you think about trying it, you won't because your brain's like, Nah, fuck that, didn't work. Whereas if you're good enough at doing it before you fucking try it in a very high pressure situation, then if it comes off for you the first time you do it, you'll always go, yeah, that works. Go back to that. And I, I found this a lot. Like, so even the submissions that I constantly get are the ones that I got because I drilled the fuck load. So the first time I used it, I was like, boom, I got it. Oh, unreal. Whereas like the stuff that might be working really well in my game that I kind of like half understood and tried and then lost position. I was like, ah, that doesn't work. So even now, if I can consciously recognize that, like that's, that's effective, 
I'm still not really going to go there too quickly because I'm like, ah, oh, there's a bad feeling to that. And a lot of like my grappling game and a lot of like my whole game is based on, does it feel right to do that? Because I have a level of experience now where it's like, all right, fuck it. I understand what's good, bad fundamentally. And if you're going somewhere and your brain's like, no, you're not going to fucking do it. And that, no, 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 no. Remember, it's the first time you fucked it up. Yeah. So make sure that it's a positive chemistry the first time you try it. Like, yeah. Give you, give you that context, I suppose, as well of the technique. Like when you try it and just open, if you're just trying it for the first time in an open live round, it's, it's, it could be missing the context. Like you've just, if you've just seen the technique, I'll try that as a, it, when you might have seen the technique, you might have seen it with some context in the right situation. Whereas then when you're trying it, it could be a completely wrong situation. So you kind of need to develop that yeah, context yeah. of, well, where does that technique work? But even like, so yeah, your timing has to be right as well. It has to be the right time to use that thing. But if you you could have the perfect time and if you're not doing it right, it still won't work for you. So at least have what you're supposed to be doing down to a T. And then if you fuck up the timing, you'll kind of know that you fucked up the timing. It's easier to recognize that than it is that the technique doesn't work fully. Because there are like, look, there are certain things that's like, oh, well, my legs are too long to do that effectively or you know, I'm, it's going to pin me in that situation because of, of my build. There are certain things like that where you have to go, okay, that's not going to be part of my game. But there are definitely things that I could have acquired that I fucked up by giving it, like not giving it the time it deserved and then giving it a go in a live round and losing confidence in that technique. Yeah, Definitely. Actually, but then like just 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 taking it back as well. You know, you said that you started training with the MMA clinic, and that. how did you how did you come to training in SPG then? Um, basically, after I fought John Redmond, um, I contacted Ben. It was John came over to me after that fight. It was just like that was very nice, very technical, well done. Um, and I was pretty surprised because there kind of been a bit of animosity between the two gyms. Never on my part. Never gave a fuck. There was a whole Cork v Dublin thing. I'm from Tip, couldn't give a shine anyway. <laughs> um, but I was pretty chuffed that he was willing to just come over and say that. And like, you know, he seemed very genuine about it. And then I contacted, I'd been, I'd fought Ben Forsyth uh, in the final of a four-man tournament about a year before all of that. And I'd stayed in touch with him a little bit. We'd kind of be back and forth over like different ways we were training and what we were doing and, you know, the level of the guys around us kind of buzz and it just seemed like he was in a way better environment to progress and to learn so after john had come over to me i was kind of it had already sort of been in my mind that i probably needed to go somewhere else um so i got on to ben and i was like look could you kind of make contact between us and set this up and he was like yeah of course and then i think that was a wednesday evening and on saturday i moved to dublin so it all happened pretty quickly yeah and you found it's been the right place obviously yeah definitely man it's a good environment um like there's a lot of high level guys inside an spg and there's just kind of a because it's become like a hub of europe now because of connor and because of all that it's like it attracts people from everywhere and then you see a lot of different skill sets and you see a lot of different games i'd love a few more big lads at times there's still everywhere you go that's the issue like there's tons of guys under 170 there's not a massive amount of guys over 170. There's a few, and we have like Johnny Walker's over. Was training with Johnny this morning. Like, uh, it's great to have that. Yeah, you know, it's fucking 
it's good buzz. But at the same time, you want consistent numbers of big guys. And you could have one week where there's maybe three or four big lads there, and you could have another week where there's 15 or 20. Um, so it like, no, look, but in general, it's fucking amazing. It is like, I probably have grown a little bit like casual about how good it is because like you have it all the time anyway. It's just there. But it's one of the best gyms in Europe and it's on the doorstep of where I live. So it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's class as well that guys coming from outside Europe, like you said, Johnny Walker coming. Yeah, yeah it's Europe become a hub, gym. like yeah. become somewhere that attracts people from everywhere. Like, yeah, so you've got to love that. Like, and you fair play to John for setting it up and making it work that way. Like, yeah. And the, 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 would the plan be to, to stick with Bellator for an extended period yeah. of time? Or if anybody, if anything yeah. came like, the UFC or any other promotion came, would you consider jumping? I'm a prize fighter, man. And like, the goal is to fight for money. Um, obviously, I started this. My whole thing was like, I want to be like, well, I want to end up fighting in the UFC. Um, but at the same time, I want to fight high level opposition wherever the fuck I can. And I want to make money being able to do that. Uh, Bellator don't fuck around they don't really seem like there's a lot of good shit to working with Bellator um, and I probably make more money now than I would if I were in the UFC um, but I would never close that option off either so I'm happy where I'm at but again I have dreams <laughs> and uh, you know we'll see we'll see you never know where it's going to go of course of course um, I suppose I just just win a couple of fights anywhere, man. That's the main thing. You know, if you're not winning, no one gives a fuck. So get back, smash a couple of lads. Then you're giving yourself options. Yeah, I suppose that is that is the key. I suppose yeah, getting wins. Hundred <laughs> percent. But uh, yeah, just before we finish up, I kind of I tend to ask everybody if you had to if you had to pick a favorite fighter, a favorite fighter to watch, who who would you pick? Is there somebody you enjoy watching yourself? Um. Yeah. So like. I was big into Yair Rodriguez for a while uh, just because he was such a bizarre style. Um, and then sort of faded on him a little bit. Um, one of the guys who I probably support the most is Darren Elkins. Like, uh, he's just got a fucking great heart and a great attitude. And I don't know, they're the guys who I love seeing fight, if you know what I mean, because I'm always rooting for them. It's always that like passionate, like fucking go for it kind of thing. Um, I naturally support underdogs generally anyway so he's just constantly an underdog and seems to constantly kind of outperform himself so he's a great guy to get behind uh, but if I was to say like any fighter that I've sort of modelled myself on GSP yeah. And yeah, just the way you know he was able to kind of change throughout his career and the way like his game like if you watch him in his fights kind of pre-2008 He's a very different fighter. Um, and then you want like, and even just, he implemented everything he learned well. And he never really like seemed to be incredible at anything. But at the same time, he was very, very good at a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Great. The GSP, uh, definitely a, a great pick. One of my favorite fighters, definitely. Um, yeah. Even Darren Elkins. Yeah. He's, he's definitely tough. I was watching him and I, yeah, I, just, I just love his attitude, man. Yeah, like he's one of those guys who every time I see him fight, I'm inspired by him. Like, and I'm yeah. not saying like I model my technique on that guy or whatever, 
but I admire the fuck out of his heart because ultimately, like, being a fan of any sport, it's not a technical thing. Like, as a guy, I like GSP, whatever. I'm like, you know, I consider myself somebody who is a fan of his, but more as a fighter, I break him down and I'm like, okay, what he's doing there is cool. Like, what he, you know, so even like the likes of Khabib, I fucking, as a person, probably wouldn't be his biggest fan. But again, as a fucking fighter, a lot of what he does is incredible. So I'd be like, yeah, fair play to him. Like, let's break that down. Let's learn it. But GSP is the one who's like, he started with such a wide base and he kind of made it wider and wider and wider and wider. And he just incorporated so many different skills throughout his career and used them in different situations consistently. And like, still managed to funnel fights into a certain area a lot of the time. But then he would shut guys down everywhere. And you'd yeah. know that he could win the fight this way, but he's just deciding to win it this way. Yeah. So very, like, you know, I think probably the widest skill set we've seen and still successful yeah. with it. Like you said, to take, a couple, and to take a couple of years off, come back, came back maybe even better. Yeah. Like, And that finish against Bisping, yeah. I only watched that recently, that finish against Bisping is one of the best finishes to drop him, to go to the hands, to the way he took the back, to get the, to slide the shot. Like, it was just... It was just, yeah, unreal. It was just un- unreal just the way just the way he finished that fight was just it could be one of the best finishes but even in, the, I watched the Hendricks fight because over lockdown you know there wasn't a whole lot of live sports so I went back and watched loads of fights and I pretty much went through his whole career one day and uh, the Hendricks fight like look it was a fucking tough fight it was a close fight too but even the way he stayed so calm and so technical when he was in very bad situations a couple of times and like you're the champ and you've been rattled and he didn't let it get him at all. He didn't let it like yeah. phase him. He just stayed. And even at one stage in the third round, he had this lovely little arm drag. Like he was caught under, like Hendricks took him down. And it kind of seemed like Hendricks had probably won the round off of that. And he just stayed calm. He like did a little arm drag situation into a single leg, managed to get up off of that. Like Hendricks was about to like do the Ushimata kind of thing on him, just got out from underneath, boom, back, started jabbing him again. And it was like, the fact that he didn't let that phase him means he probably didn't lose this round now. Yeah. And it's just that mentality of like, okay, I have a skill set to deal with this. I've drilled this. I know where I'm at. Boom, go for it. So I found that cool. I found that. And that's why I would say him like more than anyone. Yeah. Incredible fighter. But uh, yeah, I think we'll leave, I think we'll leave it there. Um, thanks, oh. a for, thanks a million for coming on. I've uh, really enjoyed the chat. Oh, wow. Cheers, Jamie. Thanks for yeah. And uh, just tag me in that you're putting out as well and I'll share it out then. Yeah, we'll do lovely stuff. Thanks for coming on and I really appreciate it. All the best. Thanks for everyone. Take care.